So today, uh, we'll continue our series called Boldly Go. Uh, we do series here, uh, usually, you know, four to six weeks-ish series long. And this one is part of our study in the book of Acts. It's an ongoing study. We've been doing it for a couple years now. It'll probably take us a couple years. We kind of do it for a month or a series, and we go away and we come back. And so this one, we're doing 13, Acts 13, 14, and 15. And Acts is this description of the early church coming alive by the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission of God. It's actually, if you were to say, what's the verse in, in all of Acts that would encompass the thought? And it's actually Acts 1.8. I don't think I put it in your notes because I didn't have room, but it's in my notes. Uh, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That's, that's the whole story of Acts, is this idea that the Holy Spirit empowers us, and then we go out and we testify. We, we, we let everybody, we become the proof of God's work to the world around us. I mean, that's, that's really what's happening. So here's the kind of the, the angst, if you will. Being a follower of Jesus is much, much more than just going to church. Can I get an Amen. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, this, is, this is a great part of being part of the community and the body of Christ, but being a follower of Jesus is not a one-hour experience. Being a follower of Jesus embodies this idea of living sent, that I'm living sent. I'm actively and boldly going to proclaim the truth that changes the lives of people around the world and in my backyard. It's that idea. And so here's here's... I kind of changed it up. I got up early this morning. I changed it up a little bit just because I, I think this might be the Spirit speaking to us. Is that sadly, though, many who call themselves followers of Christ casually embrace this idea. It's casually. Yeah. Yeah. No biggie. I mean, come on. Win the world for Jesus? Uh, and there's a casualness that is connected to this, sadly, in the church. And I would say that we're no different than the church, the big C church of the world. I think there's, a, and there's parts of the world that are on fire. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying that there's casually embracing this. And we hope then in our casual embracing of it that someone else would actually fulfill the kingdom plan. That we're casually doing it and we're hoping that Pastor Troy will just be the best pastor ever and change the world. Right? And we're hoping, don't say yes like that, it's just to say that, that we would understand that maybe I need to move out of my comfortableness of casual Christianity to a committed place. There's a scary thing that's happening in the world of Christianity in America right now, that the people are being less and less committed to the church and the body of Christ. Which at first you're like, well, we're busy. I get it. I'm thinking, but you know what that says to me? In the, in a, none of this is in my notes. It says that maybe we've lost our way in our priorities. That we say, Lord, I love you, but all these other things come first. I love you, but this is really what matters in my life. And so really, you know, I'll get there, but you might be third, fourth, fifth, or sixth on my list. And by the way, the list should look like this. One, God, and about 99, we start the list again, and everything else happens. That's what it should look like. But that doesn't happen. Anyway, Lord, where am I going here? i got to stay focused. Gee whiz. Uh, so... So this idea of casually embracing is his idea. So in this series, uh, what we're doing is we're encouraging people to do three things. One, to jump in. To jump in. 
I mean, maybe, maybe this series will be this boldly go call for you personally, just to jump in. And maybe you used to be in, and now God's maybe speaking to you about being in even more. I mean, just jump in, right? And then secondly is to learn how. Maybe you're like, I don't know how. And every week I've been trying to put a learn how kind of piece at the end. And then to begin to fulfill it, to actually begin to walk in this call that God has. So that's the series that we're in. Uh, so here's the background. Uh, Acts chapter 13, 14, and 15 is, is in the timeline of the church somewhere between 10 and 15 years after the death of Christ. So some time has happened, right? I mean, things have happened. The church has grown. The church has had some, some, some wins. The church has had some challenges. God's done some miracles. I mean, things have happened. I mean, they've spread out. But all of a sudden now we get to 13, 14, 15, and God's like, okay, I want to take it to another level. I want, I want to spread even further. I want you to go. And so that's what we find is we find Paul's first missionary journey in Acts 13, 14, 15. Here's our key text, and it's Acts 13, 1 through 3. It says, among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch and Syria were Barnabas, and there's just this motley crew. It goes through the list. Simeon, called the black man, who possibly was the same Simeon that carried the cross of Christ, which is kind of a cool little story. Lucius from Cyrene, Menin, the childhood companion of King Antipas, and Saul. I mean, so God is by his spirit gathering this motley crew to use for his glory and to reveal himself to the world. And the key is, is that each and every one of these people were available to boldly go for God. That's the key, all right? Goes on, verse 2. One day, as these men were worshiping, <clears throat> excuse me, worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and last week we, we just kind of dove into these two verses, said, appoint or set apart Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. To the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, and they sent them on their way. And really what you have here is you have the heart of God, and that is always go. He's, he's not settling down here. He said, we must go. And we talked a lot about that last week, that God is calling us to make moves in the direction of his special work to building his church and preparing a people for his return. How many realize that Jesus someday is going to come back? All right? And then the question is, what's he going to come back and find when he comes back, Right? And our job, if you're a follower of Christ, or if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe you're kind of wrestling with this whole idea, is that you would be ready for his return, and the people that I have around me would be ready. My family members, my co-workers, all, uh, that's the special work that God has for us in, in a big way. So God desires us to boldly go wherever, whenever he calls to be his witness, to be a witness. Can I get a witness, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> to be a witness, that we would, we would testify, we would prove, we would, would, would validate, we would, all these ideas that go with witness, can I get this to be his witness? So today we're looking at the rest of chapter 13, which is 41 verses, all right? Ready? <laughs> 41 verses. We're not going to do every verse, you're going to have to read it on your own because we just don't have enough time, but... Acts chapter 13, the last of it, and really what it is, is, is Paul is, is continuing on the journey. He's continuing on the journey, and they're going to Perga, right? And I got to kind of think, I, was, I wonder if this is where the flooring idea came from, Perga, right? Or is that Pergo? <laughs> All right. Don't be so serious. Pergo, perga, tomato, tomato. I mean, come on. All right. Anyway, 
So, so here they are, and, and let's just jump in, all right, versus the first few, uh, for, <coughs> first few verses. It says, yeah, verse 13, Paul and his companions then, and, and we don't know how many were with him. I mean, we know for spe- very specific, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, right? But there might be a handful of other kind of helping people there too. Paul and his companions then left, for, left Patmos by ship to Pamphylia, <coughs> leading, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue for the services. So there were these Jewish services already happening, right? And so they used that as the platform, the already existing platform. And after the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. So they, they realized, hey, we got visitors and they're... There's somebody, you know, kind of thing. And he says, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. Come and give it. In other words, we're inviting you to be a witness. We're inviting you. And it's one. A couple real quick observations before we kind of unpack the rest of the chapter. Is Number one is that there needs to be within our understanding in relationship to God a willingness to continue the journey no matter what. So be willing to continue the journey. See, to be effective in the special work that God's called you to, that's God called me to, it, it has to have this continuation aspect to it. That no matter what happens and no matter what difficulty, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, this is always on. The show of God must go forward. This continuation. And and, and, and what that really means is we don't want to ever settle. We don't want to stop. We don't want to get stuck. If you ever make the decision to just settle in, that's the moment that your spiritual growth probably comes to a halt. And the impact that you have on the lives around you comes to a halt as well. So never stop. Never, always keep continuing. And so as long as we know one person who does not know Jesus, we are called to continue on as a witness for Christ. So I'm just wondering, does anybody in this room know one person that does not know Jesus? Oh, come on. Every hand should go up that we know one person. So that means if that's the case, then the continuation of what God wants to do in us and through us is a yes. So here's the thought, though. It was no easy task for Paul and Barnabas to get to where they were going. It was no easy task. It was no easy task to get to Antioch of Pisidia. I did a little research, and I found out that what that meant when they went inland, but they went inland, is that they actually had to go over a mountain, which I thought, man, that would be so cool. I love climbing mountains. They had to go over a mountain, down a valley, and climb again to a plateau that was 3,600 feet above sea level. Now, I don't know if John Mark was just a bad climber. He said, I'm out of here. I can't do this. Could have been, Right? But it was difficult to even get there. It wasn't like, well, hey, we'll take the subway, we'll, we'll do this, you know. I mean, it wasn't part of the story. There was a difficulty, but there was continuation because there was something in there that says, I have to keep going. Now, not only that, that it was physically challenging, it was actually relationally challenging. That John Mark left them. John Mark was a young upstudy, if you will, you know, that... that Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas specifically said, hey, I see promise in this guy. You know, Paul's like, okay, I don't see what you see, you know. And, he, and they bring him along. And then 
John Mark, again, I don't know if he just got homesick. He didn't like climbing. He, I mean, he didn't like the fact that Paul was becoming the greater leader than Barnabas. I don't know. We don't really know. But either way, he said, I'm out of here. I'm not committed. I don't want to be a part of this. And he deserts them, and he goes home to Jerusalem. He goes home to his mom. Later on, though, if you pick up the story, he redeems himself, and he actually writes the book of Mark. Okay? So here's the point. Don't let the lack of commitment of others deter you from your calling. Don't let somebody else's I'm out of here kind of attitude pull you away from you fulfilling what God's called you to do. Don't don't let that happen. Don't, Don't let the story stop, but continue no matter who or what is there. There will always be those who bail or drop the ball. Don't let that affect your call. And I love this phrase. I say it all, all the time. Though none go with me, yet will I follow. Though none go with me, yet will I follow. That is this heartbeat. So that's number one. Now, second quick observation is this, is be ready for the open doors. Be ready for the open doors. Now, you might be here today because somebody was ready for an open door and they invited you to come with you, with them. They were ready for the open door. And and maybe, just maybe, God is orchestrating this whole scenario for you today because somebody simply was ready to be ready for for the open door. So what happens next is this whole invitation. They said, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. There's this open door to bring a word of encouragement or a light of truth. Brothers, if you have, which I think is very important, because they had something in them in the first place to give it away. So two things are happening, all right? Let me just highlight this real quickly. One is that God is already working in the hearts of the people. See, sometimes I think when we think about being a witness or a vessel that God can use, that we have to somehow do all the work. That's not true. The the work is already being done by the Holy Spirit prodding and, and wooing or, or setting up the scenarios or the situations, and it's already there. I just have to be ready for the open door. I have to be ready for the moment. I have to be there in a position where I go, hey, God set this up. And so that's part of the story, that God's already working, that the story of the, Holy Spirit, of the heart by the Holy Spirit was already happening. And secondly, is that there was a readiness of Paul and Barnabas to be a witness to do and say what the good news was all about. In other words, they didn't say, well, we really don't have anything. <laughs> Next. You know, they say, okay, yeah, we do. We have, we have something. There's something in me. There's, there's something in my life that, that I can share. There's something in me. I've received something from heaven. I truly, I want, yeah, I want to give it away. And that's what was happening. There was something in them. So that's kind of the first idea. But the rest of the chapter then, chapter 13, contains this depiction of Paul boldly sharing the story. In other words, he gets up and he answers their their invitation. He shares, by the way, and I didn't know this, I was studying this week, that this is the most, uh, uh, what's the word when it's most full? It's, uh, huh? Complete. That's a good one. I like complete. Let's go with complete. It's the most complete version of a message that Paul has in all of Scripture. All right, so you have this huge, you know, 35-verse message that's in there. And, and so he's boldly sharing. And I want to highlight three things because I kept reading over it, kept reading over it, like what, what is in here? What's, what's for us today? And I want to highlight three thoughts that give us insight into what it means to be a witness, what it means. And I'm not going to read the whole story because he goes through this whole idea that, you know, that, 
that God delivered you and God chose you and all these kind of things. But here's the three ideas that I think will help us understand why or what's up with being a witness. Number one is that we need to understand who the story is for. Who's the story for? See, the whole story of God, and this is what Paul was talking about in the message as you read through it. The whole story of God is so that you might have a relationship with the Creator. It's not a story for story's sake. It's not a church thing or religious thing for religion's sake. There is a story that God has that you are part of it as one of the key characters. He's the character, and you're one of the sub-characters, but it's all really about you and a relationship with you that understand who the story is for. That The cross of Christ Jesus was God's plan all along for you. I mean, that's what Paul was telling us. Like, it was all this whole story, this whole Israelites and Egypt and, and creation and all these things. It was all so that you could have a relationship with him. All of it. That, and then Paul proclaims a resurrection of power, resurrection power of Jesus, because it was meant for them. Notice what it says. Here's the verse that kind of brings us out Acts 13, verse 26. It says, Brothers, you, I want to circle that, you, sons of Abraham, and also you, God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. <laughs> this, this whole thing is about us having a relationship with the Creator. I understand the story. It's not just story time. There's a relationship that is on the, the table here that needs to happen. So God, the Creator, has designed has a destiny for you. He says, you are chosen. And God wants you to be set free from slavery. He talks about the Egyptian slavery, that the heart of God is for you to be delivered, and that God is gracious and patient with you. And it says that he put up with them, and that God fights with you. He destroyed their enemies, that, that God sent Jesus through the line of David as a savior for you. That John the Baptist pointed toward people towards Jesus as a promise for you. And Paul's message in God's plan, about God's plan, his purpose, his destiny, his deliverance, his power, his payment was all for them. <laughs> and the reason why I say this is sometimes I don't think we understand it's really a big story about the person that God wants you to, to use you to reach, to make a difference in. You are the object of his protection. You are... <laughs> the focus of his promise. You are the reason for the cross. God has something for you. And see, if I'm going to be a witness, I need to understand that very clearly. <laughs> that every person I have a relationship with, every person I run into, God has something for you. And I might just be the person to bring it. Which brings us to the next one. Understand why... I am here. Why well, I'm here. And some of you are like, well, here I, I'm here because my friend brought me, and now I'm not really sure if I want to be here, but I'm here. Right? But I'm here. Why, why am I here? Why, understand why I'm here. And, and maybe you've never asked yourself the question, why am I here? I mean, why do I exist? Right? I mean, what's, what's the purpose of my life? What's, what's the reason for me? I mean, what, what is that? What, is it just so I can go through life, get up, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, go to work, do the job I really don't like, right? I'm not saying mine. I'm saying you, maybe. But I mean, you know, I go through, I just, it seems like just 
the, the hamster wheel, you know, I'm just, is that really? Is that why I'm here? I mean, why, why am I here? And see, Paul said, I know the answer. <laughs> In the middle of his message, he, he lets them know exactly why he was there. And I love it. In verse 32, and he says it two different times, two different ways. He said, verse 32, and now we are here <laughs> to bring you this good news. I'm here to bring something. I'm here to add something. I'm here to add something. I'm not here to take anything. I'm not here to even get anything. I'm here. I'm bringing something. I'm putting something on the table that hopefully is going to change your life because God did it through somebody else for me. I'm bringing you something. He goes, I'm I'm here to bring you this good news. And then verse 38, brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, And he wasn't pointing at himself, he was pointing at Jesus. He was pointing at the Savior. He was pointing at who the story is all about. Everything in Old Testament pointing towards Jesus, everything in the New Testament pointing back to Jesus. This man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. A you statement again. That's why I'm here. I'm here that just maybe I would bring something to the table and just maybe share something with you that would radically change your life. I know why I'm here. See, that's why witnessing and being that witness is so important. It goes on, it says, everyone who believes in him is made right in this God's sight. Something the law of Moses can never do. In other words, I'm going to bring something new to the table of who you are and your relationship with your creator that's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. And then there's another verse. I just want to throw out these verses. Romans 10 Uh, verses 13 through 15. This is Paul writing again. I think it kind of pulls into this whole idea of why am I here and the importance of that. It says, everyone who calls help God gets help. I mean, in other words, there's something that stirs in the heart and God responds. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? He's kind of walking through this thought. And notice the language now. How can they hear if nobody tells them? And how can anyone, and how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it, to live sent? In other words, I'm here to proclaim and bring something to the table. That's why I'm here. Number two. Here's number three. Are you with me? Okay, all right, okay. So, number three. So first one, understand who the story's for. Number two, understand why I'm here. Number three, understand what might happen. What might happen? It's interesting because I, I, I think sometimes we're actually paralyzed by what might happen and we do nothing. Right? You been with me? I mean, I, I get like that sometimes. I, I don't know if I want to do that because I, I might do it just right. It might not turn out. Oh, I can picture in my mind 15 different ways it's going to go bad. And I don't do anything. Right? I get paralyzed. But see, to be this witness idea that I think God is calling us all to, to boldly go, is understanding what might happen and be okay with that. Because I know that there's two possibilities on the table. There's two thoughts on the table that if I understand this, what might happen, I understand why I'm here and who it's for, all that. There's the reality that some might not receive. That's the reality. 
that not everyone will receive the message that some people are just simply bent towards resistance and they're just there. That, that's the reality. And if I, if I say, well, some aren't going to receive it, so therefore I'm not going to do anything, <laughs> then those that would receive would never hear. Those that would receive, and because that's the other side of the table, the other side of the coin, that there will be some that will receive, some that will believe. Check out what happens. Acts 13 says the following week, so they did the, the, he did the message, and people were like, wow, this is amazing. God, you're here for us, and God has this story for us. I mean, wow, this is amazing. So the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. They, they, didn't, they feared what was happening, that they weren't going to come to their service, you know. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Jumping down to verse 50. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women. And let me just say this, that many times the greatest resistance you might face is from the religious people in your life, which is sad. Because they've exchanged religion, I mean relationship for religion, and now they use a religion as a weapon to keep you from really what God has. And so here's, here's what's happening. He goes on, it says, the religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. <laughs> wow, let's understand what might happen. This might not go real well, and we might have to run <laughs> from this place. But it's a good thing it's downhill, right? <laughs> we might have to run. But it's, it's knowing that not everybody's going to receive, and there are going to be some that believe, and I'm still going to go. I'm still going to put myself out there. I'm still going to put forth my life because I've got something to bring, something to proclaim. He goes on, and so they ran them, ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of, the reject, of rejection. In other words, those that didn't receive, they're like, okay, <laughs> you know, you're lost, that kind of thing. And went to the town of Iconium, which is next week's message. But notice 52, it says, and the believers, though, something might happen, right? What might happen? And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So in the middle of them being used by God, there was resistance and there was reception. There was an opportunity, and it actually did it. Whereas if nothing happened, nothing happened. So there it is. So let me close. Wow, I actually, this, you should say, good job, Pastor, you're really going fast today. That's what you guys should say. Wow, come on. Wow. I was afraid. I was looking at my notes going, man, we're never going to get there. All right. So, so let me wrap up. And you're like, yeah, but you're not done yet. <laughs> um, so let me, let me talk for just a few minutes as I wrap up today. On, on how to be a witness, kind of some practical thoughts, all right? Just some practical thoughts on how to be a witness. And by the way, um, if, if you view witness as some old school, uh, aggressive, in-your-face thing, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being ready to be used by God to boldly go where God's calling me to go, right? Living sin, okay? So how to be a witness. And before we jump into being a witness, we must first understand it is, it is in the being, being, not in the doing. Let me, let me spin it this way. I don't do witnessing, okay? I am a witness. 
I don't do it. It's not like I did it. Hey, Saturday I went and witnessed. <laughs> no, you are a witness. I mean, so if you get that, if you can just get that idea clear, it'll help you. That by virtue of the fact that I am a Christian, so if you've committed your life to Christ and he's forgiven you and you've been changed and God's done a work in your life, you automatically become a witness for Christ. Now, here's the question though. Now I get to have the opportunity in large part to determine how effective I'm going to be in it. That's really the question. How effective? So let me, let me give you just some real practical thoughts, all right? Here's, here's the first one. How to be a witness is to be changed. Be changed. Be changed. It's interesting we start here with an understanding of how to be a witness because here's the idea. They, it said in the text that, hey, if you have anything, please give it, right? And so if you're going to try to do witnessing in any shape or form or be the spokesperson to bring or proclaim something and you haven't been changed yourself, it's going to be really, really hard for you to give something away. Matter of fact, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to feel like you have nothing. And by the way, it has nothing to do with the amount of knowledge that you have. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't. It, it has nothing to do with that. I mean, you understand the basics. You know, I was a sinner and God is a sin a savior. And because of faith, I mean, the, the, the basic little things that really make it happen. But really, what makes you a witness is that you've been changed. At the moment of your change, you became a powerful witness for God. Never doubt that. The moment that God did something profound in your life and you had the encounter, you had the Damascus road, all of a sudden you realized, wow, without Jesus, I was a mess and now he's made. It's, it happened in the change. So you can't give away something you don't have. The moment you encounter Christ personally, you become a witness because changed people have a story to tell. Tell it. Changed. Second one is be honest. That's profound, isn't it? <laughs> right? Be honest. And really what this is, is, is being an effective witness for Christ is being transparent and real. Because, here, check this out. Anything else is actually being a false witness. If you act like you got it together all the time and everything's perfect in your life when it's not, I guarantee you the people that know that it's not, <laughs> the people that you're trying to share that it is, <laughs> right? They're going to go, you're so phony. You're hypocritical. You're, what? I'm not going to, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to be a part of what Christ is doing. If it makes me a liar and a phony and a fake, I don't want to do that, right? So I want to be honest. And so that means things like you might have to say every once, hey, you know what? I struggle too. And God's working on me. <laughs> you might say, I have fears. I, 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 I make mistakes. It's not, it's not hopefully the pattern of my life, but man, sometimes I just lose my way. God's grace, I keep coming back to that. Or here's a profound, honest statement. Try this one. I don't know. Right? You don't know how many times as a pastor somebody asked me some profound question, and my answer, I just look at them, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, but, but I'll try to find the answer. We, we pray about the answer. We can believe for the answer, but I want, I want to be honest with you. I don't want to act like I know everything and I've got everything figured out because I don't. And there's just something about that when you're witnessing that changes people's hearts. See, so you, you really just get into this idea is, this is my story. <laughs> don't pretend. Here's the third one. is be engaged. 
Be engaged. Be engaged. Again, this goes back to being a witness versus doing a witness. It's this idea that I, I'm going to identify and I'm going to connect with the people that I'm actually trying to bring something to. I'm going to engage with them. I'm, I'm going to, I want to be available for them. And here's the statement I've used over and over over the years. If you have no audience, it does not matter what you have to say. If nobody's listening, it doesn't matter. You, you can have the cure to cancer, but if nobody's listening, it doesn't matter. So somehow, someway, you got to make sure that you're in a place and you're in a position where you've connected with the person relationally, felt need-wise, whatever it might be, that you got to somehow make the engagement and connection to be with them. Check out what it says, and I love this, this verse in 1 Corinthians the Living Bible Translation. It says, when I am with those whose consciences bother them easily, in other words, they're struggling, I don't act as though I know it all. And I don't say they're foolish. I don't get judgmental. The result is, by doing this, is that they are willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find, say that next little phrase with me, common ground. Find common ground with him or her, that he will let me tell them about Jesus, about Christ, and let Christ save them. In other words, I want to build the bridge, not tear it down. I want to build the bridge. And sometimes you got to just go, you know, you know, that isn't really the right way to do life, and that's, and you know that, but build the bridge. Third one, fourth one, sorry, be Christ. That has all kinds of meanings. It means be a friend of sinners. <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were re- remembering a phrase I used to say all the time, that, hey, you can expect something from sinners all the time. It's consistent. They're going to sin. <laughs> so don't get freaked out when they do. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? Be a friend of sinners. Be an encourager. Be gracious. Be caring, be sensitive to feelings, to hurt, to pain, to real needs. Be willing to sacrificially give. That's Jesus. Be loving, accepting, right? Empathy, that's that's loving, Jesus. And, And by the way, just because you're accepting and loving doesn't mean you're condoning because the other side of being Jesus is to be truthful. You speak the truth in love. Christ. Last one, and we'll pray. Be patient. Be patient. Being a witness is not a process. It is a process. It's not an event. In other words, it's a journey. So hang in there. You know, it's it's one step at a time. It's it's continually sowing the seed. I, I found this little statement that said in the area of sales, some of you might be in sales. It's the seventh call on average that actually gets results. So hang in there. One of my favorite verses, Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Practical steps. So I want to pray. I want to pray for two groups of people today. All right? I want to pray, and I'm I'm going to ask you to be just boldly honest with yourself. For those of you that maybe are here, and you've become, hate to admit it, a casual follower. You're kind of, you've been kind of casually embracing this idea and you know that God is knocking on your heart today. I need to stop being the casual follower and become the committed follower and actually be 
in the continuation and readiness mode that God's calling me to. That's me. That's one group. Second group is for the unchanged. Maybe you're here and you've never actually had this man, Jesus, who forgives your sins, change your life. And so it's really hard for you to have a a witness because it hasn't happened. So would you bow your heads with me? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would say the first group is me, that I've become a casual Christian and God is speaking to me about not doing that? So lift your hand. That's me. Yeah. Maybe you're here today and you're in that other group that you're unchanged. You've, you've never accepted the forgiveness that Jesus paid for on the cross. It should have been you on the cross, but instead he took your place. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be intimate with you and you've never received that forgiveness. That's you. Would you raise your hand? That's me. I've never received. Never received. Never received. Lord, I pray for us as a church. I pray for us as individuals. That God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we would transition from being casual to committed. Lord, that we would transition from stopping or or stepping back to stepping forward and being involved in what you're calling us to do, Lord, because there's lives on the line. Lord, help us to be ready. Lord, I pray for those that today, right now, in the name of Jesus, are simply saying, Lord, I trust you. Would you forgive me? Would you wash me and make me new? I want an encounter with you, a relationship with you. So I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.